0: 1 John 4, 9-11 through 11. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another.
1: Welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, I'm the online pastor here. And if it's your first time checking us out, we wanna say thanks so much for tuning in. You can learn more about New City Church by asking any questions you have in the chat below or by going to our website, newcity.us. And if you wanna take that step and connect with us, we wanna make that as easy as possible. Go to newcity.us slash connect or you can send me a message directly. The number is below 704-389-5333. And hey, Christmas is here and we're so excited about all the joy and hope that this season brings. We put together a website all around Christmas at New City Church. It's christmasatnewcity.us. You can go there and learn all about our service times and locations, as well as our Christmas serve offering. And this is an offering that we give 100% of it away to our local and global partners. On that website, christmasatnewcity.us, just click that icon and you can give right there. And I had an opportunity to sit down with one of those local serve partners this week, Sandra from Matthews Help Center. So here's my conversation with Sandra Conway. Hey New City family, I'm Ron. I'm joined today by Sandra here from Matthews Help Center. Sandra, if you would, tell us a little bit about your organization. What do you guys do in the Charlotte area?
0: Sure, we've been part of the community for 41 years. We just had our birthday last month, and uh, the two sweet ladies who started the Matthews Help Center, Iris DeVore and um, June Hamrick, wanted a place where neighbors helped neighbors. Hmm. And although our mission words have changed, um, our spirit of helping our neighbors has stayed the same. So we're helping with uh, rental assistance, utility assistance, we have a food pantry, Um, clients can go shopping, and our thrift shop at no charge. Um, and then we also have transportation. We can give them bus passes and we work with a local gas station in town. Wow. Yeah. So
1: tell us a little bit about the families or maybe maybe a person that you've helped this yeah. year. Tell us a little bit about their story. Well,
0: there's there's so many and we we talk about our families um, and, and individuals that we're helping and that's such a hard one. But I, I think there's one that really hit me at the very beginning. And that was the story of a single grandmother with custody Custody of her three of her three grandkids, and she's a school nurse, so she was immediately furloughed from her position. Um, mm-hmm. She had some savings, so she got through a couple of months, and then she started getting behind in all her bills. And so she um, heard from a friend that she should seek out the Matthews Help Center. Now she's never seeked assistance in her entire life, um, and we were able to help her get caught up in her rent, um, get her utilities caught up, and give her food for her family. And I think why it hit me so hard is. I'm a new grandma and um, thinking about my mom being a grandma and thinking about myself it just really put me kind of in her home I think and that's why I think that story just I always think about that story and plus she's never needed our assistance before and we're seeing so yeah. many more new people come through our doors this year
1: yeah what what are uh, partnerships with churches other ministries uh, what do those mean to Matthews Help Center?
0: well I you know our our faith community, we, we can't do what we do without everybody. And it's it's not just the financial assistance, it's the it's the people under the roof. I mean, we have so many volunteers, even from this church, I mean, they're, they're coming to volunteer with us. So that is, that is crucial for the operations of the Help Center. We have 150 core volunteers weekly. Now that's pre-COVID, we're half that number now. But, you know, we also need those other special groups that come through and those other volunteers that just need special projects. Um, and I always say, although we are not Faith-based in our mission um, or faith-based organization, we are faith-filled to the brim. Mm. Um, I mean, I see it all the time. Our food pantry volunteers are out praying with uh, clients picking up food, or we always we always talk about how we're ministering in the parking lot of the donation area. It could be someone who's dropping off this amazing abundance of clothing, and you can kind of tell there's a story behind their donation. And you start to talk to them and realize they just lost their spouse. And now they're dropping off all of their their clothes. And so you get that emotional tie to our community pretty quickly. Wow.
1: Well, on behalf of the whole New City family, let me just say it's an honor to partner with you, Sandra and the Matthews Help Center and all the work that you guys are doing in the Charlotte area. So thanks for joining us.
0: Well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me today.
2: Welcome to New City Online. My name is Joel. This is Ava right here next to me. We're gonna lead y'all in worship today. If y'all would, just sing along and worship with us. And breaking through the silence with glory in the highest, the hope of all creation, resting in his mother's arms. On the horizon ringing through the heavens, the long awaited savior. And come to set the captives free. He's come to set the captives free. Come to set us free. Sing this out.
3: with family, God, and we're so expectant for every blessing that you have to bestow upon us, and we just trust you, and we lean into you, and we thank you, in your name, Jesus, we pray, amen.
4: so much for joining us today for New City Online. We started a series last week together entitled What Child is This? Kind of asking and hopefully answering the question, who is Jesus? And and what more important question could we wrestle with and ask together and, and hopefully begin to answer together from the Bible? What child is this? Who is Jesus? You know, I, I shared a story last week as well about walking through Costco a few weeks ago and Jen and I were together shopping on Saturday and we heard a gospel album on, all these Christmas songs on, and just the the truth of the scriptures and who Jesus is being proclaimed on the intercom in the middle of Costco. And this song, this good Christmas hymn, this old Christmas hymn that many of us are familiar with, What Child Is This?, and asking and answering the question, Who Is Jesus?, it came on. And I found myself listening to it and just listening to the lyrics that he's the, the, the king of kings. He's the, he's the one that was, was promised. And so as people are rushing around and buying in bulk and buying rotisserie chickens, uh, the truth of who Jesus is is also being proclaimed. And that's what happens at Christmas time, this time of year, is the, the truth of who Jesus is. And the answer to the question, what child is this? Who is Jesus? is just a little bit more accessible to each of us you know, for some of us you've been following Jesus for years and you need to be reminded what child is this. For some of you you're just beginning a a relationship with Jesus and learning what it means to follow Jesus as a Christian. And for some of you you're exploring that. You know, who is Jesus? What what child is this? And I think at Christmas time, for all of us no matter where we might be, the reality of who Jesus is just comes a little bit closer, even in the middle of Costco. But, but the danger of that, too, is that because it's so accessible to us at Christmas, it's all around us, it can, all, it can also kind of blend in in plain sight. Tim Keller talks about this, that the, the danger of Christmas and sometimes singing Christmas hymns and decorating and doing all the things that we, we love to do at Christmas is that Jesus sort of gets lost in there and we kind of get caught up in all the traditions and the nostalgia and the sentimentality, which don't get me wrong, can be fun and good, but we can miss what child is this? Who is Jesus? C.S. Lewis uh, kind of says this as well and telling a story about his brother. He says, "My, My brother heard a woman on a bus say, as the bus passed by a church with a crib outside it, Oh Lord, they bring religion into everything. Look, they're dragging it even into Christmas now. So just sort of the ridiculousness of this statement as his brother is on a city bus and at Christmas time driving by a church and they have a nativity set up. And this person's confused about what does Jesus have anything to do with Christmas? And we can sort of miss Jesus even at Christmas time time. And so this whole series, What Child Is This?, is geared around us seeing from the Bible these these names of Jesus and who Jesus really is so that we, we don't miss him. When our first child was born, Jackson, he's 15 now, it's hard to believe. I remember, I'll never forget, bringing him home from the hospital and our car was full of, you know, of diapers and clothes and supplies and baby formula and cards and flowers and all kinds of stuff. And I remember when we first got home, we took Jackson out of the, the car seat, you know, in one of those carriers. And we, we put him down um, kind of right by the door uh, in the house. And we began to unload and take everything in up to upstairs to the nursery. And we spent you know, probably a good 45 minutes just unloading things. And then we were up there together settling and just putting everything in its place. And I remember Jen and I just looked at each other and we thought, man. It's crazy. We have a kid, and we can't believe it. And we're here. We are standing in a nursery, and all the stuff. And then we we both sort of realized right away, where's Jackson? And we had left him downstairs in the carrier. You know, he's asleep, and we have everything upstairs in the nursery, and everything all set up, but we don't have the baby. And sometimes that can happen at Christmas too. We can, we can set up everything and kind of have everything around us that reminds us of the baby and everything set up for the baby and, and miss the baby, miss Jesus himself. And, and we don't want to do that. And so again, we've been working through th- this series and we're going to continue it today by looking at some of the names in the scriptures for Jesus. Because in our 21st century paced life and, uh, and, and running really hard and even now more than ever, we can miss him. And, and you know, that's not, just, that's not a knock on us and our way of life and our culture. The truth is, all throughout time, all throughout the generation since the, the first Christmas, people have been missing Jesus and not really answering in a good way this question, uh, what child is this? We're not really seeing Jesus for, for who he really is. Even in the Christmas story, this is crazy, even in the Christmas story, the, the, the Christmas narrative, that very first Christmas, people who were a part of the story missed Jesus. They didn't see him for who he was. I mean, think about it and go back and maybe read the Christmas story for yourself this week. The innkeeper, right? When Mary and Joseph come into Bethlehem and they're trying to find a place to stay, there's no room at the inn. You remember the story, it's too crowded. He doesn't, he doesn't see them for who they are and they, they end up in a manger uh, and on goes the story. How about King Herod, uh, the, the, the one who was over the Jews during that time? Uh, the Magi come and they say, hey, we saw this star and we, we've been told about this prophecy of this king who would come and, and, and where is he? Where, where is the king? And, and Herod has no place for that in his heart, right? You know, he, he sends the Magi off and says, hey, go and find the child and then, and then come and tell me about it. He can't even bring himself to say, go and find this king because why? Because he's the king. The, the innkeeper misses it because maybe he's just too busy with everybody coming in for the census. Herod misses Christmas because of his, of his pride because he can't believe that there could be another king. He can't believe that there would be someone else who would have claims over his life. And and, and maybe, maybe we would even wrestle with that too. He's in the Christmas story and he doesn't see Jesus for who he really is. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, how much larger your life would be if you could become smaller in it? How much larger your life could be if you... become smaller in it. If our part in the story could become smaller and the part of Jesus could become bigger. I mean, John the Baptist said this when he saw Jesus for who he really was. He said, remember this, he said, he, Jesus, must increase and I, I've got to decrease. And what would that look like for each of us at this Christmas time to say, Jesus, I want you to get bigger in my life. I really want to see you for who you really are fully. And, and I need to decrease even in my own story. Well, speaking of John the Baptist, we're gonna pick up a part of his story in the Christmas narrative today from John chapter one. So if you have a copy of the Bible, I wanna encourage you wherever you might be to pick it up or to turn it on your phone and follow along with us. And if you have the New City app, the outline for this sermon is already preloaded there with the passage. We're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. And again, this is John the Baptist seeing Jesus for who he really is. And he, he names Jesus. He calls him a name, a title that, that's really important for us to learn today and to see Jesus for as we continue to wrestle with this question, what child is this? So John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. Let me read it to you today. The next day he saw Jesus, this is John the Baptist. He saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold, and here's the name, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom it is said, after, after of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 31, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel, verse thirty-two, and John bore witness: I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, "He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit." And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son. Of God, So last week we talked about Jesus as the Lion of Judah from Revelation chapter 5. And when we got to verse 6, uh, John, the apostle, sees Jesus as a lamb. And now John the Baptist here in John chapter 1 is going to pick up on that and say, yeah, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of all the world. I love in verse 29, just real quickly, how it begins when it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him. And that's really what we're trying to do at Christmas time is to see Jesus for who he really is. As Jesus comes towards us, remember, God is always taking the first step towards us, He's always walking towards us. And it's and it's up to us to see Jesus for who he really is as he comes closer to us, especially at Christmas time, and comes into closer focus to see him for who he really is. And that's exactly what's happening here in the passage in John chapter 1, verse 29. John sees Jesus walking towards him, coming towards him, just like Christ does for us at Christmas time. And it becomes in more focus for who Jesus really is. It comes into focus that he is the Lamb of God, that this is the one that God sent to take away the sin of the world. Just a little bit of context here for the Gospel of John. It's the fourth Gospel, the the fourth of four in the New Testament. And it really stands apart from all the other Gospels, from Matthew, from Mark, from Luke. Those are known as the synoptic Gospels, meaning with one eye seeing. John stands apart in its singular focus. Not that the other Gospels don't talk about Jesus as the Son of God, but John's sole purpose and intention is to present to us a case for Jesus as the Son of God the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In fact, towards the end of his gospel in chapter 20, verse 31, he writes this. But these, specifically talking about the miracles that he includes in his gospel narrative, but all of it, he says, I'm writing all this that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have what? Life in his name. In other words, the whole point, of the reason why John is capturing this gospel, this good news of who Jesus is as it comes into focus for him as the Lamb of God, is that you may believe, but not just an exercise in believing, that by believing, you're gonna have life in his name. And, And that right there is the Christmas narrative, the Christmas purpose, the whole reason why Jesus came towards us at Christmas is so that we might have life in his name, that we might see him for who he really is. What child is this? And we might be able to believe in him instead of in ourselves, that our actions, our works or other things that we would believe in Jesus and we would have life in his name. But John is also picking up on something really important that we need to see here in context just by way of teaching. He's remembering growing up a good Jew in the, in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. He learned uh, all the Hebrew ways. And a good Hebrew would have known the significance of a lamb, a lamb without blemish because at Passover, they would sacrifice a lamb without blemish to atone for their sins, to, to place on this lamb all the sins of the community. And by that sacrifice, they could atone for their sins. So of course, as he calls Jesus, when he sees him walking towards him, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, he's thinking about this sacrificial lamb that Jews would sacrifice on their behalf for the atonement of their sins. He became a substitution for their own Uh, sacrifice for their own death. And he was probably also thinking about the story of Abraham with his son Isaac when he went to sacrifice Isaac. And right before he sacrifices him, God provides a ram in the thicket to be a substitutionary atonement for Isaac. This is all in John's mind as he calls out Jesus as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that he became the perfect substitutionary atonement for you and for me, that we now have placed on him our sins. God took our sins and placed them on Jesus on the cross. And so he becomes the perfect lamb without blemish, the only one who was holy and perfect enough to take on our sins and not just our sins, the sins of all the world. And that's what John says, the Lamb of God does. Look firstly here in verse 29, he says, the Lamb of God does what? Takes away the sin of the world. I love what Max Licato says this. He says, the problem of the human heart, right? The problem of humanity is is inside. It's a problem of our hearts. The heart of the problem of humanity is a problem of the heart. It's, it's not necessarily so much of what we do. That's a problem too. We certainly sin against ourselves and other people, but it comes from within. The heart of the problem is, is a problem of our hearts. And think about it this way. If you have kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews and they're young, you don't have to teach young kids how to throw a temper tantrum, right? We, we don't have to teach a course on how to do that. They come hardwired to do that, don't they? We, we don't have to teach kids how to say mine or no. They, they, they come ready to say those words because it's a, it's a condition of the heart. And, and, and part of what we believe here theologically as Christ followers is that we were born with a sin problem, with a sin nature, and we inherited it all throughout our generations, going back to the very first man that was created, Adam his choice to sin and to fall has brought sin into all the world. And through Adam and Eve's choice, now we've inherited the same sin nature that they brought into the world by their choice. And you say, well, that's not fair. Well, the reality is we've brought our own sins, right? Of our, of our words and our actions, we follow right along in that. So we can't cast too much blame on Adam and Eve. We've inherited that and we've also participated in that. And I love what Paul says. Paul says, Jesus, the lamb of God, the one that we're wrestling with, what child is this? Who is Jesus? This all important question. He becomes the second Adam So the first Adam messed it up and we've all messed it up too. We've participated in it. But the second Adam, Jesus has come to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Remember the angel Gabriel, when he's uh, speaking, he says uh, to Joseph, he says, you you know, Mary's going to bear a son and you shall call his name. This is in Matthew chapter one, verse 21. You're going to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their what? From their sins. He's going to save us from our sins. You know, the the name Jesus, as we wrestle with this question, what child is this? Who is Jesus? The name Jesus comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua. And the word Yeshua means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves, God saves. Saves us from what? Saves us from sin, from our inherited sin nature that we bring into the world that comes from within and from the sin that we participate in, that we bring about through our words and our actions. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away all of it. Think about that, past, present, and future for all of the world, but it's even better. It gets even better. It's not just the sins of the world. Let's make it really personal today. It's the sin of my heart. The Lamb of God, Jesus, takes away the sin, not not just of all the world in general, but he takes away the sin of my heart. He takes away my brokenness, the ways that I have messed up. Again, sometimes it's, it's more palatable or it's easier to think about Jesus, the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world, of, of other people, people that are maybe sitting around you right now at home. Or if you're driving and listening to this, thinking about the sins of people that are in the cars around you or in the workplace around you or in your neighborhood or in your family. It's, it's easier maybe to look out and say, yeah, Jesus came to die for their sins. But think about this. Jesus came to die for your sin. He he came to be the perfect sacrifice to be the lamb without blemish. And God took your sin and uh, transferred it from you onto Jesus. And he took all of that on the cross. And by that perfect sacrifice, he has become the, the lamb of God that takes upon your sin to make you Righteous and pure. You know, sometimes we'll do this this little this little quiz at New City, and it's probably worth doing today. You know, how many of you are perfect? Just maybe raise your hand where you are right now. There's, there's usually always one that raises their hand. So maybe somebody in your family is raising their hand. You know, you know the truth that they're not perfect. We all know the truth that none of us are perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. None of us could raise our hands truthfully and say we're perfect. So here's the question: Since none of us are perfect, how good is good enough? What is God's standard? And a lot of times we think, well, it's, it's we got to be 51 to 49. And I'm just going to try to be a good person. And, and I, hopefully at the end, the scales will, will work in my favor and I'll, I'll just get my way into heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches and even in this Christmas story from John chapter 1, as John uh, proclaims that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, it's not us proving our worth to God or trying to do just a little bit better to be fifty-one forty-nine. It's Jesus doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, taking on our sin. Listen, listen to how Peter, the apostle Peter, listen to how he says it later on in his life in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. He writes this, you, let's make it personal to us, you were ransomed from your feudal ways inherited by your forefathers. In other words, all the way back to Adam, the, the, the ways of trying to do better, and we can't. He says, you, you were ransomed not with those perishable things like silver or gold. In other words, you can't buy your way out of this. But you were, listen to this, but with the precious blood of Christ, you were ransomed, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot without blemish, with, 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 with no impurities. Jesus is the perfect lamb. He was the only one that could raise his hand and say, yes, I am perfect. So he was the only one that could atone for your sin and my sin. They could be that sacrificial lamb that would, that would take upon uh, what our sin when, and all the things that we've done past, present, and future were transferred on, onto him on the cross. So not only did the lamb of God, Jesus, take on the sin of the world, but he took on your sin and he took on my sin. Now, let's, let's close this way, okay? we got we, we Just a couple minutes here. Let, let's make it personal, okay? Just, just by way of application, we think about what child is this and today we're learning that Jesus is the Lamb of God and, and he takes away the sin of the world, John 1, uh, verse, verse 29, and that, that's a great thing. He takes on my sin, your sin. Why do, why do we miss this? Why is it that Christmas time and all throughout the year, but particularly at Christmas time, as we look at who is Jesus, what child is this? And John just so clearly proclaims for us, hey, he came towards me. I saw him for who he was. Jesus came into focus for me. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, yours and mine. Why do we miss this? Let me just offer a couple of things, reasons why we miss this. and if you're taking some notes, maybe just write this down and think about how it applies in your life. I think we miss it first of all because we 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 deny it or or we think that we don't really need it I, i'm I'm okay, right i know I know I have my problems, but Jesus came to die for other people for really bad like people, people who are really, really bad. He really came to die for them. For me, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good person. I, I can make it on my own. And we deny Jesus as the lamb of God because we think we're okay. I think sometimes we miss Jesus at Christmas and particularly for, for him as the lamb of God, because we think we can do it on our own. And really that's just religion. I think I can work my way. I think I, can, I, I think I can make it happen on my own. I can do it myself. And so, and so I, I, I miss Jesus as the Lamb of God because I think in my own efforts, and my own work, I can, I can make it happen. And so I, I, th- I think I can do it myself. And really what that is, is just religion. Religiosity says that you've got to do something to prove your work to God. You've got to make it happen in some way form or fashion. You've just got to be a better person. And too often people think about Jesus as, 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 as um, someone who came to start a religion, which he didn't. He came to start a relationship with you and me that's based on his sacrifice for you and for me as the Lamb of God. And when we make it into religion, we, we diminish Jesus as the Lamb of God because we think we can do it on our own. And religion actually becomes a way that keeps us from seeing Jesus. But, but here's the last thing. It, it, it's not just that I think I'm okay and in denial. It's not just that I think I can do it myself and my religiosity. It is those things that keeps me from seeing Jesus and, and really missing him. But, but it's also that I think, I think I'll do it later or I, I become apathetic, right? That I know uh, that Jesus came to die for my sins. I know I have a problem, but I'll, I'll do that later. And maybe if, if nothing else, guys, 2020 has taught us to to not take for granted that there will be later. It's taught us that that this is the day that God's made. And that that as I see Jesus for who he really is, this is the day that I need to, to step towards him and accept Jesus fully for who he really came to be for me, the lamb of God who takes away my sin. And so I don't know which one of those three kind of hits you, but my guess is that one of those probably hits you that either you, you kind of deny who Jesus is, you, you, you might, you know, your religion sort of, you think you can do it on your own, or maybe you're just apathetic and, and you need to in, in, invite Jesus to step towards you again today and see Him for who He really is. Let, let me just encourage each and every one of you, d- d- don't leave the baby, right? Don't miss the baby. Don't set up everything for Christmas and miss Jesus. The most important part, the whole reason that he came was to be the lamb of God, to take away your sin, to take away my sin. And that's the bottom line today. Jesus is the lamb of God. What child is this? He's the lamb of God who takes away your sin, who takes away my sin, who takes away the sins of the world. To him alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me wherever you might be today? Let's pray together. For those of you who would say, you know, I've, I've heard the Christmas story But today I, just like John, see Jesus coming towards me in a way that maybe I haven't before. And maybe for the first time today, wherever you might be, you would say, I I wanna accept Jesus and follow that Jesus, the one who is the Lamb of God who came to take away my sin. If that's where you're at today, I wanna invite you wherever you might be to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. And that he is the lamb of God who died on the cross to save me from my sins. I believe also that he rose from the dead and that he invites me now to be a part of his forever family. So today, because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I've done, because of what Jesus has done, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to give me eternal life. Today, because of who Jesus is and what he's done as the Lamb of God, I invite you into my heart and my life, Jesus. I want to trust you as my Savior, and now today I want to follow you as my Lord. So help me to live my life in a way that honors you. And in the days that you've given me, the days I have left in in this life, would you help me to look to you as my Savior and my Lord? God, we thank you for that prayer today for those of us who prayed that, for those of us who have prayed that, for those of us who one day will pray that prayer and receive Christ. We thank you. We thank you today that you are the lamb of God who takes away sin. And so give us the wisdom today to know what you're speaking to us from your word. And would you also now give us the courage and the faith to go and to obey. And we'll give you the glory for it. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
1: prayed that prayer with Chris just a few moments ago. We'd love to know about it and celebrate that decision with you. You can send a text message to the number below or you can send me an email, r-dasher at newcity.us. Now, if you would extend your hands for a benediction as we go today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.